0: What you what you want? Welcome, everybody, hey. to a West Seattle NASCast. Uh, the grand experiment. This is our first, uh, what we're calling a mail bag Monday. To me, this feels like one of those crazy ideas that I get. is a
1: sexist statement when you stop and think about it. A mail bag. Does that mean he's gonna bag us? M A
0: I L. Come on, old people. This is one of those ideas. Most of no, like I think I randomly get. They sound fun, and eighty percent of them crash and burn. So maybe before we start, the first the first the first mailbag question comes to you from Sean. Henley well, or
2: Mattson? Mattson. Oh,
0: um, we could say Sean Henley, but that would be a lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think Mailbag Monday will be a hit, or do you think Mailbag Monday in one month will be in the garbage bin?
2: I think it's going to be a hit, because I think once it kind of catches on, I think it's one of those one, two, three things where it gets announced and then kind of catches a little bit, catches a little bit, and be riding the wave If we soon. change
1: the name to M&M's, Oh dear, that's not gonna happen. It would be awesome. <laughs> um, I,
0: think, I
2: think it I think it'll be fun. It, who doesn't like to have their question, you know, brought to the front and addressed and and, to have, and discussed and, and to
0: have grand experts like ourselves, course
2: uh, I was thinking that I just wasn't gonna go there, but
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so question number two is also brought to you by Sean, not Henley. Uh, although, Sean Hinley, if you listen to this, you could send us a question. Uh, question number two is brought to you also she by Sean. He some good ones. And actually, if you send us your questions, we should say, send us your questions. They can be theological. They can be philosophical. They could be anything, really. They could be church life questions, and we'll answer them. And sometimes we'll bring in some guests to answer questions Bible questions with us. Bible questions. Uh, I got a good one I don't think we're going to get to today. While
1: you're doing the advertising, they could text me at
0: 206-355-2168 or... 206 I am terrible at texting back though. I'm not. We actually, if I we're going to do this seriously, we should not do that. We should get Twitter handles so they can tweet at us. Probably.
2: Do we tweet? <laughs> I want to tweet. T- I've tried tweeting. It doesn't make sense right. to me, but then, you know.
0: We have a goal. Let's all get Twitter handles. Oh my God. I feel I like am I am just. I,
1: I just opened an Instagram that I actually am starting to set up, and I haven't figured out yet.
0: Instagram is the new Facebook. It's it's way bigger it is. and better.
2: And, and Jay, Jay and Shay can give you a, a, a quick Instagram tutorial. I'm constantly I like asking. I TikTok that.
1: was.
0: No, that's that's a COVID thing. It's definitely not. Okay, for a question, <laughs> mailbag. Um in your teenage years, can you think of a song that you played over and over and over again that you continue now into your adult years? You find continue to hit your radio because you you just can't get enough jamming out to it.
2: I have one. Yes, but but I don't know that it's that I just can't get enough of it. But but um, you know, culture brought it back up again, and that's ABBA's "Mamma Mia." Because it was, it was big in the '70s, and I actually called my mom "Mamma Mia." You know, like when you're talking to your mom and you, you know, call for her or something. I always like "Mamma Mia" because of that song. So we listened to it, and now, and now the movies.
0: I know it from the movie.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It came back up. I'm not sure that I just loved the song so much, except for that it it was this kind of sweet connection between my mom and I, and then boom, song. Now it's in the...
1: One of my favorite songs, which I don't sing anymore, but I loved it then, and I still love it, was by uh, Larry Norman. Norman, I wish we'd all been ready. It was all, it's all about the oh, uh, yeah. rapture. Oh. But because I'm no longer believing that, it's, it, but still, it's a great song.
0: Wait, you're going to... We're five minutes into Monday Mailbag, and you're going to say you no longer believe in the rapture. The People are going to tune out.
2: But it's, Terry, for you, it's Chicago. <laughs> I would have said Chicago. Oh, Chicago.
0: Any of the Chicago you hits. Oh, it's Yeah, absolutely. Chicago. And Doobie, and Doobie Brothers. They, yes. Doobie Brothers.
2: Yes. You had Just, Chicago at your wedding. Well, I mean, you had a Chicago song at your wedding. Did
0: you dance at your wedding? No.
1: Oh. Are you kidding me? I would have been kicked out of the ministry in those days. Well, what I'm going to get kicked out of the
0: ministry for our Monday mailbag, so. <laughs> uh, Doobie Brothers. Was there? Was, was, was the Doobie Brothers named after what I think they might be yes. named yes. after? Okay.
2: Yes. Which was very scandalous at that time.
1: It, I suppose, but... D- you know, they redeemed it with Jesus. Is just all right with me. Jesus
0: which was inspired so by Doobies. Yeah.
2: Uh, mine is
0: uh, by I believe a flock of seagulls. It is, and this is not the greatest hits. This is just the one that I can am finding. I'm jamming out to during COVID. Um, which, by the way, I'm I 80s music, 80s music, and uh, what are the movies? We asked about this on Wednesday. Movies uh, that have music in them.
2: Musicals. Musicals.
0: Musical songs and 80s music are getting me through COVID. Uh, but it is Iran. Please tell me you know Iran. I, I do ran. not know Iran. Okay, I'm not going to sing it for you because... Sing it. Sing the bar. I Ran... No, the, see, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that was our fun question. You don't
1: get to. Holy, you, I, I still want to have my song. I thought you gave your song. Oh, I did, and you were right about it. I gave, like, but I have another one.
0: Like any good Terry Matson answer, he has four of them. Four That's of them.
1: right, and this one is... Um, Signs, signs, everywhere is sign. Well, Every time uh, I, you I don't know, buckle up my...
0: See, I don't know that one. Do
1: this, it's don't, don't do, that. do that, can't you read it's a the total, sign? It's a total
2: 60s, 70s hippie child, yeah, anti-institutional... Cool. Uh,
0: okay, well, let's, let's move from uh, hippie's Obviously, child anti-institutional music okay. to hippie's child anti-institutional theological questions. Okay. Um, Question number one, and I will not, I'm not going to name the people that have asked these questions because I don't have permission to, but when you send your questions in, if you're okay with your name being attached to it, let us know. Uh, question number one, are we living in the end times? In this COVID-19 reality, uh, pandemic, who knows, potential zombie apocalypse, with all the the racial issues that keep coming up and, and, and what we then are seeing on the news, are we living in the end times? Yes.
2: The the contextual thing that comes to me is something my dad always said to me because I remember when I was a kid the list felt just that long. Vietnam War and mm-hmm. and this the, the Cold War later and this unrest and that unrest and all these things happening in society and my dad said, Honey, it's always been this way. It's always been this bad and we always get through. That's what life is. So then my question is, how long have we been in the end times, and how long do they last, and is this just what it is? Mm.
1: It's not just what it is, but we've been in it since, uh, theologically, from the biblical perspective, the end times began with the incarnation of God in Christ.
0: Oh, good. I thought you had me worried. So,
1: it, No, it began 2,000 years ago. That's when the new age was introduced I, into the earth.
0: Yes, I agree. I thought you were going to say in 1948 when Israel or whatever is mm. back on the map.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> that's where I thought you were going to. But.
1: However, however, I don't dismiss that the... Pro- I do not believe that the Old Testament prophecies are irrelevant. I think it's part of the giving birth, yes. But I think the giving birth is going to turn out very differently than most pessimistic which is, evangelicals. Which
0: is probably another question for another Mailbag Monday of, of does... The Israel, as we see in Scripture, translate. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing among this circle of friends, there probably be a good uh, divergence of thought.
2: I know sure. I have s- had several friends in my journey the last thirty years that have done deep dives into biblical prophecy and and have had made you know a lot of strong statements out of that.
0: So. I think essentially. So quick, um, but the point is, we are
1: in the, the what, what Paul talks about is a woman suffering in labor, and we've been there for 2,000 years. So when we come around these cycles, each cycle like the one we're in right now gives birth or has hope to, to the, the kingdom of God breaking in anew and new paradigms being achieved. And we are moving into a future of God's design now. What was
0: the guy you used to watch on Monday nights?
1: Oh, Yeah, he's the prophet that, I mean, he's the guy who goes into prophecy from a traditional perspective. Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Van Impey. Van Impey. So, essentially, quick answer, um, you got 10 seconds. If the question is, are we living in the end times according to Jenkins, according to LaHaye, according to Van Impey, according to Pat Robinson, how would you answer that?
1: No. Yeah, no.
0: I would also say no. What I hear you saying is, um, much like for the sermon, which I talked more about this on our sermon last Sunday, which you can find on our website, Uh For Paul, what was to happen at the end of the age, in particular the resurrection of the dead, had broken into this present age. And so theologically from that point on, essentially you would argue we are living in uh, this kind of hybrid of this age, but also the age to come that is emerging, and so at that level, we are in the end.
1: And one of the things that we need to keep perspective on, at the end of the 18th, or is it 19th? 19 is the 1800s. At the end of the 19th century, late 1800s, the evangelical church in America was optimistic that that age was going to come through peace, that the 20th century would be the Christian age, and they were doing they believed that because so many people were being awakened to Christ in the revivals and it was not at that time a denominational tension. It was the intention was that that through the arrogance of churches like ours, through our engagement with social justice issues which we were, through our engagement with revivalism we were, the whole church would be made Christian. And if the church ever got the message right, then the whole world would accept it. The problem with it was the Great Depression, World War One, World War II, Paul Pot, Vietnam—it obliterated that
0: hope. Laura, did you grow up a rapture person?
2: I, I—we had Tim LaHaye books in our house. I know that, and uh, yeah, I mean it was taught. Did right? you
0: read? Did you read Left Behind?
2: I saw the movie. Kirk Cameron. I saw the movie. I was—it was really terrifying. a pathetic it was, movie. And, and and remember, we always sang two Men Walking Up the That's the, the song. One Larry Norman suddenly yeah. gone. <laughs> wow, I wish we'd went. all been ready. I wish we'd all been ready. It was a fear. It was, it was, it was a fear. I mean, it was like, you know, it was just part of the fabric of yeah, in our in my home and in my church and little Nazarene church I growing that's up. Think it's all
1: bad, actually. There is there well, is a uh, negative uh, part uh, to to. I mean, if people if, if I don't if I don't live into Jesus, at the end of the day, I will. I will self-destruct because the kingdom, the, the word, because God's rule ultimately reigns and, and I am made to love and if I live into hate.
0: Mm, that's, we're going to have to save that for mm-hmm. another Monday mailbag because these, yeah, we could keep going on and on. Uh, a book I would recommend to you if this is an interesting conversation uh, is called "The Rapture Exposed by, I believe it's Barbara Rossing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's probably lots of other resources. If no, you have I more, I would
1: suggest the Bible would be a good resource. Yeah, to... start
0: with the Bible. Yes. You won't find it there. That's, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Uh, yeah. But yeah, send in your questions. I know we're going to do a Wednesday night on this in the coming weeks. All right, question number.
1: Should we note that the Nazarene Church doesn't have a position officially on it? Our position on the is yeah. Our position is Jesus is returning. And in his return, the kingdom comes. And the rest of it, we say grace.
0: <laughs> A question number two. Um, what changed you uh, as you think about your life and maybe where you were theologically in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s? Like, what has... Um, what has changed you? How, the, as you think about the ways you've evolved in terms of your faith, the things you believed back when, the things you maybe wouldn't affirm now, or, or maybe things you would affirm now that you wouldn't affirm back then. Uh, this was a question coming from somebody who was was thinking about my own kind of journey and reflecting on, boy, you are not in the same place you were back then. What changed? So, so I'm curious for you all, um, what has been the biggest influencers in your shifts in thinking about the divine
2: well for me um in a very general sense and there's lots of little details and and ways to you know bunny trail stories to tell but the the mainline change was probably in my 20s and 30s when i started paying attention to the fact that much that I said said that I believed about God didn't line up with um, with Scripture. Didn't line up with um, uh, with what I started reading in the Bible, and you know some of the questions that I started asking um, about the things that I was seeing in Scripture, like kind of. Um, about God's nature, about God's character, about, um, you know, when you start, I, I suppose it was in my 20s and 30s that I started reading scripture through the lens of the cross, reading scripture, and I didn't really know I was doing it that much at that point, probably, but I think, um, that's when it really began for me and started asking the questions to say gosh you know some of these ambiguities that we see in scripture um, how do we balance those how do we interpret those Um, and I just immersed myself in Jesus like for probably I don't know a long time I just really became a student of Jesus not not that it was all that intentional Mm -hmm. but I was just so drawn to Jesus and needed Jesus to help me make sense of this and so
0: follow-up question
2: yeah. uh did you
0: at that point as you, in your relationship with scripture and how it revealed jesus to you um did you come from a, f- a fundamentalist way of reading scripture have you always been free of that demonic plague <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or or what has been the evolution of of how you've seen scripture throughout that journey? Now, there are yeah. strengths in fundamentalism uh, <laughs>
2: Gee. Can't think of one right now, but well, there probably are I can some. think of a couple, but <laughs> I, think, I think the answer to your question is yes. I did grow up in a kind of—I mean, at this nowadays, it seems like we are kind of equating fundamentalism with, with just kind of uber conservatism. Which, but I've always drawn a line there. I've, I've, for much yeah. of my adult life, I said I'm conservative, but I'm not fundamentalist. Well, I, I think but let, let, there, me, let me jump in and say
0: terms. I think there can be fundamentalism on both sides. Yes. Some of the strongest fundamentalists I've seen are also on the progressive, and so yeah,
2: correct the dogmatism yeah. of that and the. the One of lock- the
1: strengths that come out of fundamentalism just is that, and it's a big negative, but it's also a strength. There is the passion is on the extremes. Yes.
0: Right. Tell us yes, about scripture in your relationship.
2: Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, it's like it's like when you grow up in something you don't know you don't recognize that it's that it's there it's like try to tell a fish that she's wet kind of thing you know so it's just you're just immersed in this and I think yeah when I look back on you know we were taught the rapture Um, I remember being taught or having it absorbed I think it was flat out taught that that um, who taught it to you? God can't the church I grew up in which is my church okay yes that um that god had has to turn his back on us when we mm-hmm. sin because and which is why jesus cried my my god my god why have you forsaken me because god can't look on sin god mm-hmm. is too holy and too pure and will not uh, and 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 from that i grew into helmut teleki's um uh, quote that i'll completely mash up here but where he says we run from god And, um, we run from God because we're afraid and we run from God because, um, of our, of our fear and we run straight into the darkness and in that darkness we find that we run straight into the arms of God.
0: Hmm.
2: And that, um, I found that quote, um, actually, um, Dr. Weigelt gave me that quote over this very topic.
1: I wish you would have known Weigelt.
2: Oh, he's, he was amazing. Yeah. I always thought of him as the as the as the anti Wright of of the seminary. I agree. I agree. You know, he had that kind of presence. But anyway, just to say um, that is so that is like so untrue about God. And as you read the Scripture and as you read who Jesus is, and through, they absolutely immersed Himself in our darkness and in our sin. He does not turn from us, like your chairs, you know, and the turning the sermon on the chairs that you did and how much god um, you know immerses himself in that
0: all right how about yourself actually i'd like to ask that of you first my answer is the bible (laughs) (laughs) yeah what do you mean by that I, i mean as i got freedom from needing to read the scriptures with a stilted sort of literalism and uh, saw that they had a bit of a dance to them and there was a conversation happening and there's metaphor and poetry and myth and, and none of those things makes it necessarily less true um, but actually makes it more inspiring and motivating and frustrating. Uh, as I dove into that world, um, it began to come alive and move me and shift me um and then probably you also have to say the church because because if you're going to let scripture move you in that way um it ought to be done in conversation with the community and so uh it it has to be lived out with real people and in conversation so that's probably over the course of 10 years been the biggest thing
1: I think for me, the answer is, is threefold. I, my whole life is framed by two events that I've shared with you recently, but they are the most profound events. One was the Cuban Missile Crisis. that was the event that said the world is scary. and the other was Dr. Martin Luther King's "I've Got a dream" speech," which, which was a, a born-again moment for me, in terms of all, uh, human in terms of humanity. And that was, that was hope. that's when hope sprung to life. I think it was C.S. Lewis that actually brought me back to the tradition. Uh, By the time I graduated I was into the Dr. Schuller from Southern California um, positive uh, messages kind of theology. I was rethinking everything in terms of psych pop, uh, psych, uh, psych, I'm okay, you're okay kind of stuff. And and reading C.S. Lewis made me weep and realize the arrogance I need to weep again, but realize the arrogance of where I was. And he tied me to an older church and an older tradition. When, I, when he tied me to that older tradition, I realized it wasn't my fundamentalist tradition. I realized that he was speaking of God in different ways. He was speaking of Scripture in different ways. The other thing that changed me was after was the number of people I met in continuing education who were not where I was... Um, but one of the moments was a, a priest who was a Baptist, Pentecostal, and an Anglican. And he had landed in the Anglican community. He awakened me to, I had two choices in following Christ. One was the Pentecostal popcorn thing that felt like, uh, felt like cotton candy to me. And he awakened me to the prayers of the church. And that felt like strength and power inwardly I'm not saying that should be anybody else's journey that was mine
0: I hear you saying that the Pentecostals are a bunch of fluff
1: I'm not saying that <laughs> just kidding I appreciate who they are uh, I really do deeply and I wish we had more in our own church but um, and, and don't want to lose the ones we do have for that reason because they bring something that we desperately need I need but having said that um, my hope isn't there my hope is in is in the history and in that context I was required to read the whole Old Testament in two weeks. Actually, I was given a whole semester to read it. <laughs> but like everything else but I did, I waited till the last two weeks. No. Yeah. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. I, I used to do that a lot. <laughs> um, what that forced me to do is for the first time in my life I saw the book as a movie. Up to that point it was truth content. And I suddenly awakened to this incredible visual drama and it changed the way I read Then the the, the last thing was probably Pope John Paul and Pope Benedict. John Paul, specifically in his book, Be Not Afraid. When I read that, that was transformational. And I I shouldn't be the last thing. And in that context, I had moved to Seattle. And I had to confront my own racism internally because God gave me a community of color. And uh, that just, the whole thing
0: became transformational quick answer for somebody who's maybe beginning or in the middle of of a season of shift um what would you recommend what rhythms what kind of things any books you would recommend uh they give themselves to 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 process that season
2: my head is going to that facebook quote you put up was it in t right oh Mm -hmm. yeah what was that do you, or, or paraphrase the prob-
1: yeah the problem I I find is when I give people the bible as it was heard they it comes up against their presuppositions and they reject me
0: that so, sounded so academic that was definitely not what he said n-
2: no that's not it <laughs> it was it was I, this is not what he, he says
0: said. people often get upset when you teach them what is in the bible rather than what they presume is in the bible yes
2: so I think in answer to your question Sean it's it's a really good place to start for all of us to say, what are my presumptions about the Bible, and and can I have the courage to let those presumptions interface with uh, some challenges? And I think if you do that um, and begin looking at the Bible through that lens, um, it will pose some questions and put you on a journey to process some of that
1: and i think that's accurate and i think i think you have to ask a self question which is do i want to be hopeful or afraid what's driving my thinking and my theology and then you have to ask yourself the question you're just asking which is where's jesus land on that tension yes.
0: uh, my fear is that and it and, and uh, this is probably too simplistic of an assumption but i'll make it nonetheless because it's a podcast and that's what you do um, my fear is that because of fundamentalism we have a generation of folks who are growing up either inside or outside of the faith that no longer have presumptions about the Bible because they've given up on the Bible thinking it to be irrelevant. Um, mm-hmm. So part of it is just releasing them from the scriptures needing to be whatever they thought it needed to be and just give themselves to the narrative again and and see if as you do that you don't just... F- in, in a sense, you know, starting with the human... Um, And and as you give yourself to the humanness inside of Scripture, um, watching out to see if you don't just happen to stumble upon the divine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, that's segment number two. Can I add
1: books? Yes, quickly. C.S. Lewis, mere Christianity, and N.T. Wright. Surprised by joy or whatever. Surprised by hope. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Anything N.T. Wright. Just start reading N.T. Wright and Google the Bible Mm -hmm. Project. And um, some people yes. won't like this. Bible but I, Project Yeah, be would Bible Project is a really good place to start. I also think uh, some people hate this, but Rob Bell's What is the Bible is a helpful place to start. If, I think Love Wins is a helpful place to start. In terms of asking questions.
2: Tim of the Bible Project.
0: Tim Mackey yeah tim mackey google tim is, mackey Brad Jersack, yes. Brian's on so many names let us know tweet at us when we get a twitter handle <laughs> and we'll give it you that uh, that's segment number 2 let's take a break and have segment number 3 All right we're back you can count segment Number three, thank you. I was just counting down with my hands from five to one, and my dad is impressed. I uh, had to go to kindergarten for two years. Same class. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, he
1: was the helper. The
0: second. I one. was the helper. Mm, that's why Did you that's guys put where me in you preschool? Grew your leadership huh? Did you guys put me in preschool? No. Oh, see, that's so. why we have Tanner in preschool. Yeah. Um, any last words? Fun. Did you have fun?
1: Oh, it's a lot fun. of fun.
2: It's fun, and I have, and I do have more questions. Good. So
0: that'll be good. All right, that'll wrap up episode number one of a Monday mailbag. If you have questions about any of the things we've said or uh, anything else, you can reach out to us. Get a hold of us right now. Probably the best place to do that is via email or text. I think our emails are on the website at www.westseattlenaz.org, and uh, we'll keep. We'll keep the thing moving, keep having fun, and uh, we'll see you next time. Grace and
2: peace.